0: Welcome to the Mosh Zone episode 47, week 47, volume 47, episode 47. How you going, guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week's guest on the show is Lucas of Vale of Maya. So all of that will be coming up in the show, but there was just something I wanted to talk about first, and that's something that we need your help with. That is ratings and reviews. However you listen to this podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, all of these, we need your help with a rating and a review. Now, it sounds very simple and it is very simple to do. By rating and reviewing the podcast, you help us get out to more people. The way these services work is they kind of use an algorithm based on ratings and reviews and will put you in front of more listeners of podcasts based off ratings and reviews. Currently looking at it, we don't have very many. We are 47 episodes in and we really need some more help getting out to more listeners. So if you got some free time this week, Or while you're listening to this episode, please help us out. We'd love a rating or a review, whether it's one star or five star, whatever it is, please help us out. Please give us a rating and a review. Speaking of help, the other thing that is very essential, and we do ask it every week, so I am going to ask it again, is please help us out with a share. Please share this podcast on your Facebook. Please share it on your Instagram. Please share it on your Twitter. Help us out. Getting it out there to more people to notice the Mosh Zone helps us grow, helps us get bigger, bigger guests, and helps the show obtain guests in an easier way. Kind of breaking things down, getting a guest for this show can be a lot of work. I don't usually go through PR companies or record labels. The reason I don't is because they will only give me 15 minutes to talk to artists. Now, as you know, with the Mosh Zone, we like to talk for about 45 minutes to an hour to our guests. So if I want to achieve that, I usually have to approach the artists themselves. And it can take quite a bit of back and forth, can take a lot of persistence. So everyone you've heard on this show, minus probably about two guests, have been done off my bat. By sharing the show, more people know about it. So when I'm approaching them and saying... Hey, do you want to be on the show? It's not seen as such a foreign, weird concept. So guys, all of your help is invaluable to us growing and achieving bigger and better things. And everyone that does help us out with a rating or a review or a share, I am forever grateful, forever thankful for your help. So enough of that, jibber jabber. As I said at the start of the show, this week's episode our guest is Lucas of Vale of Maya. Lucas is a great dude, and it was a great opportunity to get to chat with him for the show. Lucas kind of joined Vale of Mayer as kind of a hired gun, but he's had a very interesting and insightful career and upbringing through music, and he also does a lot on the side apart from being in Vale of Mayer, so we got to discuss all of that. It was a really great chat. And a really good dude Lucas was for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. So I'm very grateful, very thankful for Lucas giving us the time. That chat with Lucas is coming up now. Do you remember the band or the artist uh, growing up that kind of opened your ears to music? That, you know, suddenly this artist showed you that music exists?
1: Um... I don't know, it was kind of like a probably a number of bands that actually really got me into wanting to pursue music. Um, I, I was a pretty big fan of like, Senses Fail and The Used. I uh, even, even got pretty into Silverstein for a while. Um, I think that's right around when I realized, you know, this is something that would be really cool to do, you know, with my life. Like, why not try this out? Um, and that was, you know, when I was in sophomore year of high school, I kind of started stumbling on those bands just due to friends and stuff who, you know, were obviously listening to them at the time. Um, and yeah, and it definitely just grew from there.
0: Was, was there any music you were into before that heavier style?
1: Um, I mean, the bands I grew up on were, you know, Metallica and even some of Megadeth. Um. You know, anything like involving Ozzy, my dad was a pretty big Ozzy fan too. So, you know, I was around all, you know, Black Sabbath and stuff growing up. Um, so I was just kind of, um, I don't know, just around that darker side and heavier side of music from the get-go, you know. And then that's what really kind of piqued my interest with those other bands like that I just mentioned, the use and things like that, because it was a different sound, but still you know, in its own way, very comparable, just vibe wise in the way that I felt when listening to it. Um, and then as I kind of ventured more into things, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I caught wind of all sorts of, you know, styles and whether or not I gravitated towards it is a whole other conversation. But I really started getting into the more of like a gentler style of music when I started hearing bands like Panic at the Disco and Paramore and Fallout Boy um, Forever the Sickest Kids, and mm-hmm. I even got into bands like Cute Is What We Aim For, and, and Boys Like Girls, just so many like pop rock bands, Cartel. Um, so that's when I really started experimenting heavily with different vocal styles then.
0: So, I mean, you was music part of the household? So you're saying, you know, like, Ozzy was obviously played in the house, so was instruments and music a big thing in the house?
1: Not so much, no. In fact, the first guitar I was ever given was given to me by my mother's father. um, And it just kind of sat around and decomposed slowly over the years because I got it at such a young age. And I broke a string on it and never, you know, I never really showed a great interest in playing it. So it didn't get it didn't get repaired or anything. And yeah, by the time I was 15, I was like, man, I really wish this guitar had been functioning all these years. I probably should have shown a greater initiative towards it.
0: Um, now, so obviously there was a bit of like that going on. You know, you were given a guitar, but you know, you mentioned vocals, and everyone predominantly knows you as a singer. Um, when did you decide? Of not just singing but when did you decide that music was going to be the path that you were going to choose like do you remember how old you were or was it just something you naturally gravitated towards
1: yeah i do actually remember because it was i had a pretty abrupt change and it was right when i was introduced to those bands you know the youth census fail and stuff in that realm you know right before i got i really started getting into like lighter styles of music um but i was 15 and I was a avid athlete before that. I was, you know, played all sorts of sports, and um, definitely devoted most of my time to athletics. And then I just got to a point where I was like, hey, you know, this isn't really what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And I had a couple friends who had just kind of started their first band, and um, I started playing drums for them. And I guess that, like, that first rehearsal was when I really realized, you know, this is something that I could definitely see myself doing for the rest of my life. I just seemed like something that was enjoyable. I remember before that, you know, a couple of years before that, probably longer, um, I just remember hearing songs in certain parts, whether it be a guitar, uh, guitar riff or a vocal line or something. And I'd hear it and I'd be like, man, what does it feel like to be responsible for that? You know, mm. and I think... Once I finally sat down with a couple friends and just started doing our own thing, making something from scratch, even though it was not good, it was like this. This is what it feels like to do that. This is what it feels like to be responsible for that. And instantly, it just kind of grew on me. And I was, I kind of knew right away. I was like, yeah. And I, I left public school and I, I finished out. Um, I finished my schooling online actually, and. What You know, it was at that point on, I was just like headfirst in it, figured why not.
0: Now, you, you mentioned drums, so why, why drums, the most obnoxious, loud instrument possible? And when did you decide to transition to vocals? And was there a reason?
1: Um, I started on the drums, I don't know really why. I was a pot and pan banger when I was like <laughs> five and six years old. And I don't know really where I came from, but you know, I got a cheap first act kit from Walmart for Christmas. And it slowly also fell apart on me, much like that guitar. But it was because I actually played it and just got beat to crap. And um, I don't really know, I think, I don't really know what prompted the change. Funny enough, after drums, I didn't switch to vocals right away. Then I started dabbling in like bass, which, which really transitioned into guitar and then i started messing with the idea of vocals i don't know i just didn't feel quite content as a drum as you know starting out as a drummer i just wanted to kind of find out where else it could lead to and i guess once i started singing and really got into it i realized that it was just it was my favorite you know and i think it's more to me it's just more you know like my my body is the instrument and i enjoy that and the sensation that it gives me is just kinda unlike anything else. You know, it puts me at ease, just all those vibrations just resonating, you know, it really makes me feel calm and relaxed, um, more than anything else. So I think I was more of a natural at singing than I was at, say, drums or guitar. I mean, I can play the instruments adequately, but I definitely excelled at vocals quicker, so I'm sure that had a, a pretty big role.
0: And with a Were there early influences or inspirations for you when you started out? Because, as you said, you were listening to kind of a bit of everything. So there would have been quite a bit going on musically in your life. But was there some singer or artist in particular that you were driving towards inspiration-wise?
1: I think it fluctuated a lot. I mean, at first I was definitely really really influenced by Senses Fail, something about Buddy's voice, just how raw it sounded. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, and then as I started hearing, you know, singers like Brendan and Haley and, you know, Patrick Stump and all these vocalists that were truly dynamic and it was just like, wow, you know, that's a whole different side, you know, of singing. It's like, it's almost like a different instrument because technically speaking, like your, your mechanics are different, you know? So it almost, it's like, it is a different style of singing, so it just kind of grew from there, and I don't know, I just kind of wanted to see how diverse it could get, and then, you know, it's funny because I went from listening to bands like The Used to then listening to bands like, you know, Paramore, and then all of a sudden it got back to heavy, but then it got heavier, and then I really started getting into that harsher tone of vocal. so I was like, ah, I might as well try this too, I'm already, I'm already this far in it. You know, so I don't know, it was, it was very just intriguing and this complex and difficult to wrap my head around figuring it out. So I just it's like, fuck it.
0: Now, as you said that a lot of people that are singers will acknowledge is it is an instrument. So when you were starting out, were you taking lessons for the instrument or were you kind of self-teaching yourself as you went?
1: I was doing it myself for a a long time. Um, Up until shortly after I started touring with Fail, uh, I got lined up with Melissa Cross, who, Mm -hmm. like our management, kind of reached out to her, I do believe, and set that up. So we did a couple lessons, and that helped tremendously. Just because, you know, before it was just kind of guess and check. Like, I feel like I'm doing it right. It doesn't really hurt me, but I knew there were some things that I definitely wasn't quite spot on with just cause it, it didn't quite feel right. It was depleting my, my vocals very quickly. So, um, over time, like, especially after I had to tour, it was like, okay, I have to figure out how to do this now. So I simplified or yeah, simplified the technique. And so it felt right when I was doing it daily, but the mechanics just weren't quite where they needed to be in order to like really withstand. Um, so she, she helped a lot with that. And, but other than that, yeah, it was pretty much just kind of all on my own, figuring out what's what. So, so you've never,
0: so by the sounds there, you've never been one that has lost his voice. Has there been any of that? Like, have you ever pushed, because anyone that knows your vocal style, you are able to deliver a very vast and wide range. So there's everything from the clean to the harsh and kind of in between has there ever been any pushing with the harsh that has resulted in a loss of voice or struggling to speak the next day?
1: Yeah. but And luckily that was more so before I started touring when I was just kind of getting it down. And because I, because I didn't really talk to anyone or get lessons from anyone, I just didn't start off on the right foot. You know, mm. I kind of like learned it backwards, everything not to do, led up to me doing it correctly, for the most part, which then led to me getting in contact with Melissa Cross to really help me fully understand what I'm doing, what my body's doing. Um, but yeah, before that, I had trouble. because mm. You know, like I said, it was guessing checks. So I'm like, is this the right way? And the next day, I don't have a voice or, you know, maybe sometimes it's tricky because it's so subtle to where you know you, you feel fine. When I speak, I feel fine. But when I sing, I feel off. So then I would push myself too hard. I, I didn't realize that I needed to take some time to rest. I was like, oh, man, why can't I? I was just hitting this note all day yesterday. Why can't I hit it now? So I went after it relentlessly throughout the day, just tiring myself more, getting more frustrated, only to find out that if I took two days off, I would have come back and probably felt better. I was so stubborn and just, you know, I was like <laughs> caught in your own head sometime.
0: And uh, not meaning to jump forward with the vocals, but, you know, you now, in a way, pay it back. Um, you do the Skype lessons and things like this and basically tutoring is a way of saying it. Um, was that something that you kind of, you wanted to help people not go through what you went, which was kind of, you know, learning from their mistakes you wanted to help guide a future vocalists to be set from the offset
1: yeah and i think it's just an interesting experiment or experience just teaching in general and just having the ability to answer someone's questions and you know i've definitely have students come back like hey this really helps thank you so yeah it's just cool and then it's going to be interesting to see you know the progress of students and and where they end up and it's just kind of it's just fun. It's an interesting thing to do, and it's not something I ever planned on doing. It just kind of fell in my lap, and it wasn't really until I uh, had my lessons with Melissa because I couldn't really teach anyone. People would ask me like, "Do you give lessons?" I'm like, "Like I can try, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of doing it, you know." So I didn't. I certainly wasn't. I didn't have the ability to teach at that point. And then after she broke things down and, and showed me what was what, I was like man this makes a lot of this makes so much sense so you know then it just was a thing i i, I think the first time i really got into it was with um uh tei during warp tour and i had given a couple lessons here and there before that um but that's when i had a chance to really you know throughout that tour i i had lessons with you know, like 16, 20 students somewhere around that um so you know that was cool and that was definitely the most students i had and in that period of time and yeah it was a lot of fun some of them still back to me
0: where are you now with students do you have a lot or is it just kind of a ebb and flow of whatever happens happens
1: yeah it just kind of let it do its own thing i'm pretty focused on a few other things at the moment so if someone hits me up and asks um i'm usually available but i don't really promote it too much anymore i just Mm -hmm. let it
0: so let's go back to before Vale. there was some early bands, as you said, playing drums and stuff. And one of the bands that some people may know you were in, which you kind of went to Vale from, was Arms of Empire. Um, how was this period for you musically? Were you kind of finding your feet and developing your seat, yourself and your persona on stage or when you joined Vale, was it still very raw and undeveloped?
1: Yeah, when I when I first joined Vale, that was the first time that I toured in general, um, and I had been on stage like playing the role of a frontman, you know, two or three times before that, and that was about it. So there was definitely a lot of learning. Um, Arms of Empire was really just like. A, learning process for me I it just never really got off the ground um and it was frustrating but I did learn a lot from it so it, you know at the end of the day it was what it was but yeah that was an interesting period of my life it and I it it definitely helped with my live performance just because I rehearsed so much and those songs were not at all easy um so it certainly it did its job but as far as building an actual true live atmosphere for me, it didn't really do that. And, you know, with bands, I mean, I had bands before that that actually did play out. So, you know, I had, I had my experience live, but it is different when, you know, before I was like a, a guitar player who also did some singing. Now it's, you know, the people on stage with you kind of make you responsible for the crowd reaction because you're the only one with a microphone who can tell them what to do and you're also trying to make sure you're on pitch, you're on time. This just a lot of stuff going through your head and then and then you got to think about wait, I got to entertain these guys too, you know? So it's just like everything kind of rolls itself into one big ball I guess at some point where this is just the job and what it is, but at first it's kind of like I got like eight things to do right now.
0: <laughs> and was was that well, that will lead me into, like, how did you join Veil? Vale? I mean, did they approach you? Did you approach them? I mean, how did the link-up initially happen? And when you finally got in, um, how were your nerves and expectations? Because you've suddenly gone into a band that is established and known and, and loved by a lot of people.
1: Um. Yeah, that was also interesting. I found out that brandon had left the band through social media i just saw well i was working at a at a concrete factory at the time and so i, I looked up who who the manager was because obviously they were going to be looking for a new vocalist so i sent him derek brewer our current manager still i sent him an email and i actually sent him a link to uh that Arms of empire album that was on band camp So i sent him over that i don't even know if he looked at it or or listened to it um but he sent everything that i sent to him over to the band so somehow it just kind of happened from there you know sent an email got lucky derek actually read it sent it over to the guys someone took a listen to what i sent and you know then then they got back to me asked for like well do you have any videos of you playing live and i didn't really have anything at the time anything before that was going to be old and poor poor audio and everything so it was like here's a video i had a video on my phone of me rehearsing in my room so i could analyze it and luckily i still had it on my phone so i was like this is the best thing i got (laughs) and then uh so luckily i can't it's like me in my stupid room it's so funny um and then they're like, okay, well, shit, here's... So they sent me Mikasa instrumentally, and they like, like, you know, you're responsible for the vocals of this, Send like, this is your audition. And I was like, okay, so I got in with uh, one of my friends who was an engineer, and uh, just tracked, wrote and tracked those vocals and sent it back, and then they sent me Aris, like a fraction of Ares, not even the whole song. They sent me just a section of it, and i like, okay, now put something to this. Okay, so I had to find a different friend to go to for this one because my other friend was busy. And I did that, and I sent that to him. And then, I mean, a couple of days after that, I got a I got a call from Derek. I was like, "Hey, He's like, you ready to do this?" I was like, "Yeah, fuck it." He's like, "All right." <laughs> so yeah, and then a year later, I got fired from my job because I kept leaving.
0: It <laughs> Meant to be. <laughs> um, so you, you get in and what you pretty much just you've been thrown in the water and you you got to learn to swim um
1: oh yeah yeah that's that's one way to put it that's for sure it to sink or swim
0: and what was what was what was going through your head because i mean joining a band is one thing but joining a band that is of the size of veil is another thing. So was there a lot of nerves, a lot of anticipation? Uh, Were you shitting yourself or were you kind of like backing yourself and saying, I got this, this is mine, I got it?
1: Yeah, funny enough, it's probably like the, I was actually quite calm. Um, Because to me it was just relieving. You know, I was 23 years old at the, you know, like right at the brink of this isn't happening in my life. So, I guess when I got that call from Derek, just all that all that worry kind of just went away, you know, with just that phone call. I was like, Whoa, "Holy shit." Cuz for me, you know, like small town kid, I'm currently working in a factory. I'm there right now. I get a phone call that I know is changing my life, so it was just like, "Holy shit." <laughs> all right. So, I just started learning songs cuz I didn't know A lot of songs and I certainly didn't know the vocals to the couple songs I mean the songs that I knew existed were unbreakable punisher and it's not safe like those are the three veil songs I knew I didn't even know subject zero was a song so I started digging back into the back catalog and because I knew it was like well I already knew not fest was a thing Derek told me it's like you know they're gonna want you to do this tour uh and it's soon it was in like two weeks so I just went home and I started looking up the songs, obviously, that I figured would be played. Um, so the three singles and then, you know, the other ones I could find on YouTube with the most plays. And um, and actually, I think I reached out to Mark at that point and asked him what else we were going to be playing. So he sent me a, a, a list of songs, probably like seven seven songs, I'd say. The singles, obviously, among them. Um, and then I looked up the lyrics I found it best to actually just write the lyrics out rather than just read them and memorize them. So I'd write them out, which had just helped me memorize them a hell of a lot faster. And it's funny because just the other day I was looking through a filing cabinet and I found the notebook with those handwritten lyrics in there. I was like, this is kind of hilarious. I still have it, but yeah, I just had to go to work on the set. Cause I knew that was the main thing. Like I need to focus on the set. The record, is going to be after that so then you know i I got songs down we went on tour and then on that five day run is when i wrote the a good chunk not definitely not all but a good chunk of the material for matriarch as soon as we got back from that run he went into the studio and then tracked the songs wow so the only the only thing i really had prepared for the studio before that was Mikasa. Cause that was the audition, so it was like, okay, it's it was basically the same exact thing, I just had to retrack it on you know their mics and everything, you know, just better gear, so I just had to redo it vocally again. But it was, it was ridiculous, it was insane. Just that two week transformation was like, I don't even know how to put it in the words, <laughs> it's, it's was just weird. a
0: whirlwind, clear whirlwind, yeah, um... like.
1: Yeah, if I tried to keep up mentally I wouldn't have been able to, so I just focused on like what I could because it was just too much.
0: Now, how did the how did the first show go? Because I I remember at the time that, you know, nobody really knew who the new vocalist was and then as usually happens with the internet, it just kind of exploded with oh my god, he's the new singer. Um and your vocals I think a lot of people at the start were unsure. If they wanted it, because that's the problem is there's closed minded musical opinions and they kind of say this is what it should be and it shouldn't be anything else. So how, sure. is, how was the first few shows for you that you you did at the time? Were you accepted?
1: Yeah, the, honestly, like, you know, the crowds that were there. The first show we did was in Denver and it was in routing to um, California for Notfest. And I, the crowd had a great time. The show went really well. Everyone was energetic um and I was making mistakes here and there and like forgetting a lyric or or whatever but there was there wasn't a whole lot I could do at that point I was like I was listening and reading over lyrics that whole tour before taking stage just still trying to memorize the couple parts that I didn't quite have down yet so they went as well as they could have really I mean and then yeah after that show in Denver someone caught a photo put it up and someone recognized me and was like that's lucas and it kind of just snowballed from there i had a lot of people hitting me up the next day
0: (laughs) well all all positive i hope
1: yeah no one was trying to kill me
0: (laughs) (laughs) um as you said you did those shows and then you roll into matriarch and what was that like for you i mean the band anyone that knows the band now knows that that was the start of like a new chapter You know, it's a new chapter for the band, new sound, new direction, new vocalist. Um, Were you ready to make your footprint on this band's discography at this point? Or was it still trying to figure out what you wanted to do? Because you said you had the lyrics, but was everything else figured out in your head?
1: Um, I mean, was it figured out in my head? No. I mean, no way we, we made all sorts of stuff that I, you know, that I had prepared, but that was fine. And I, it was, I was actually quite comfortable going into it just because of the way that the Mikasa audition went. So they were very clear that they want, no one wanted to be responsible for my parts, you know, like they just, they didn't want to write my parts. They didn't want to have to worry about that. And that was reassuring to me because I like to do my parts. I like to be responsible for them. I like the collaborational effort that goes into it too. But at the end of the day, it's that's a lot of fun for me. I enjoy sitting down and the challenge of writing and doing those things. So it was it was actually pretty comfortable just because, you know, if, if I wrote something and it stuck, it stuck. And if I wrote something and we were going to change it, it was just, hey, let's change it. And that's what we did. So, I mean, it was... Quite painless,
0: actually. And this has got to be a crazy period for you because you've done a couple of shows and then suddenly you're recording an album. Um, Then it gets released, and one thing that Vale are, and you guys, without a doubt, you tour a lot. And you get out there and you play shows and you grind. Um, Suddenly the album's out. How was it received? Because I, to be honest, I don't remember how it was received. I know there was a bit of mixed reactions and I think that's just everything nowadays has mixed reactions but um I don't think anyone releases anything and 100% go yeah fucking great um but how how was it for you to get that out um and start touring with your music because in a way you were touring on someone else's music for those first few shows and now you're out on your music so
1: yeah and that was a real slow transition I mean the first First handful of tours that we did, we didn't play it. We only played Phoenix. That was the only song that we played for like three years. Yeah, because the album hadn't come out yet. Phoenix was the only song out. Um, so then, you know, then Mikasa came out and then we added that song into the mix. Uh, so like that first year and a half, for sure, if not first two years, It was mainly older material, probably more like a year and a half. Because after the record came out, we did really start. We started adding songs in quite rapidly to like the point where by the time Warp Tour came in 2016, which is about a year after the album was out, it was that set was probably like half and half Mm -hmm. between songs previous to Matriarch and then Matriarch. And then once False Idol was done... Then it was a total flop, like, immediately where, you know, where we only play Punisher and, you know, maybe we play It's Not Safe to Swim Today or one other older song, but it's almost Punisher's one of the only ones that's stuck around. Sometimes we'll play Callback.
0: Um, False Idol was another one. Now, this leads to an obvious question. That was 2017, so... We're coming into 2019 technically now, what's going on music wise with you guys? Are you kind of in the writing process? Is there possibly something on the way what's what's going on because you guys don't slow down touring, so it's got to, always got to be interesting with how you guys put time for writing
1: yeah, and that, usually we capitalize like we're doing right now when it is slow because right now we don't have anything until March in fact mm-hmm. we have we have one show um, right before Christmas. And then we don't have anything until we come to Australia. So now's the time on this period that we have a good amount of time off that we're finally starting to write. Um, so we're just dipping our toes into the process, I'd say, like the last couple of weeks. Um, but we have started and you know it'll be a process, but I don't think it'll be too much more of a wait.
0: Um, now with, with Vale, when you started out, Now, I don't know how the relationship was, but at the start, did you feel like... This is always an interesting question. Did you feel like a hired gun, or did you feel like part of the family from the offset? And now, are you just... you know, It's not the right phrase, but are you part of the furniture? It's a given that you're part of the band.
1: Um, I feel pretty secure. I mean, I knew just due to the circumstances, like it was a permanent move, and it kind of needed to work um you know but those guys have been working i mean sam and mark have been working together for almost like 15 years you know dan's been a part of it for eight or nine years or so at this point you know they everyone kind of knew what their roles were and you know then there was me trying to fit in so it was obviously like the studio stuff was pretty easy just because you know for the most part they had faith in me there Um, everything else was kind of slow but that's what it is when you're trying to get to know people right off the bat and you know it takes takes longer than people may think to really start understanding the full spectrum of someone's personality and Hmm. who they are or what they're into you know it's just a lot to learn about a person
0: um now you mentioned that you know australia next year um what what can you a fan expect In this set list, is this going to be like you said, pretty much False Idol and Matrix, or are we going to have maybe a new song dashed in there? Do you think? You know, what can we expect?
1: It's definitely going to be majority False Idol and Matrix. Um, Maybe a song or two from from Beyond. That some of the couple of the bangers that people like Punisher, I'm Mm -hmm. sure that'll be in.
0: Yeah, that's Uh, good. As
1: far as new material in there, I don't know. What to see. Says it's
0: fifty-fifty. Now, with Australia and touring in general, I mean, why does it take you guys so long to get down here? Is it come? Does it come down to like like not not a lot of people know? It comes down to the money. Is that the issue, or is it just schedules haven't lined up?
1: Yeah, you know, I I don't really have an answer for you there. I don't. Uh, I just get an itinerary.
0: <laughs> and you're told turn up turn up at point A and we're going to point B. Sure. Um, Now, I want to ask a couple of questions with, you know, someone who's been in a band for a while and you're in the industry, so I have a couple of, like, just like to know your insight into things. And one is how the record industry has kind of very dramatically changed in 2018 compared to what it was in, let's say, 98. Um, Do you see, where do you see the record industry nowadays? Do you see that we're kind of at a very... Uh, glorious pra- uh, period where music is very accessible? Or do you think we're kind of struggling with what the art is because, you know, people don't really emphasize an album anymore. It's all about the single.
1: Mm, um, I mean, I kind of, I enjoy the evolution. I kind of enjoy adapting to it and trying to figure out, you know, the best way to navigate. I think the artist has a lot more control than they used to. I'm obviously in favor of that i think we have all the resources that we we pretty much need and we can depend on ourselves and we can put a team together how we want to rather than how some other group of people decides they want to um so i enjoy it you know i i actually think despite what some people might assume i think there's a lot of hope for the music industry and people just have to accept what it is now and You've got to take advantage of all those other sources of revenue if it comes down to that focus on that you know if you if you want to build a business build it you, you really just you can't be naive to that stuff anymore you know a lot of a lot of guys came up and had other people run the business for them and they were just kind of always oblivious to it you know and to some extent that can still work but I don't know it's tricky you see a lot of people just putting the cards, Or betting on themselves basically you know they're just going to do the work themselves or find an individual who they already know and trust who can do it because it tends to pan out better for them in the long run that way
0: do you also think there's a bit more pressure not only is there more power for a band but you think there's more pressure on a band because now you can easily be forgotten and left in the shuffle if you're not staying relevant and in people's ears
1: I think that's a lot the the same as it as it always has been, but I think people really get in their own head on it Mm -hmm. because there is so much. But you know, I mean, to me, it just comes down to the replay value of your songs. Are you writing songs that are going to stick with people forever? You know, because that's what you should maybe try and do is write songs that people hear and want to listen to again over and over. And if that's the case, you know, your your material can last forever and it can, it can buy you a lot of time, but I can't necessarily say that everyone is out there writing songs that we all want to hear over and over again. There's a Mm. lot of people doing it. A lot of people have their own methods and ideologies about how music should be written or how they want to write music. Um, But I think it's all there. I think we have access to everything we need. And if, you know, success in this industry is like success in any other industry it's a little bit of luck but ultimately it, it is up to you. I don't think it's this this unreachable thing really for anyone. I mean, we have too much control now. We have too many resources that are there if you really want it, you can figure it out.
0: Mhm. What about uh social media aspect of things? It's pretty crazy now that, you know, the keyboard is a, a weapon for a lot of people. Is that is that something that um, you know, is that is that affect you? do you see it because people can be fucking nasty on that fucking internet
1: oh I don't well I don't know i I mean it's just a tool you know it's something mm. that can help your song help your song be better help add that replay value to your song I mean to me you might as well use everything you can um so I mean. Yeah, I just try. I don't really, I don't really spend too much time on the internet. I don't, I don't even know what half the people honestly say. So, I don't know. And I think you just have to be ready to be scrutinized on, on whatever. I mean, they're gonna people who don't like you are just gonna say anything about anything. So, if you just sit there and worry about all the things people are gonna call you out for, you can't do anything.
0: Mm. No, it's that's, uh, that's really really well said. Um, now. Before we start wrapping things up, one thing I I know and noticed about you is you're also um, part of New Industry Entertainment. You've got this thing going on. Um, can you explain to people what it is um, and how it came about?
1: Sure. Um, it's just i kind of classified as kind of like a hybrid entertainment company because um, you know, we have a lot of different acts that we work with, as well as we, we also represent several of our own acts that, you know, the owners of the company are in. Um, and we, we just wanted to do something that would allow us to work with just about anyone, you know. So you might not need. So, you know, some clients come to us for management. Some clients come to us for videos. Um, some clients come to us for audio, you know, it's just a range of different things. Some clients come to us for a couple of them or all of them, you know, and it's just cool to, to be able to work with all sorts of artists rather than, ah, man, we don't shoot music videos, so we can't work with them. You know, Mm -hmm. we just kind of, we, we could to incorporate basically everything you would need in the industry and try to put most of it under one roof, you know, and make it work out. Um, and it's a situation where we, you know, we definitely enjoy being there when we need to be and not when we don't need to be. So for the clients that maybe come to us for management, they have great teams already that, you know, do great video work for them, great audio work for them. That's that's why we're inclined to work with these bands because they're already succeeding at it and they just need help getting to that next level. So you know, we never, we're not trying to like push people like, oh, you got to come to us for a video. You know, it's just some of, sometimes they do. Um, we have a band from New Zealand, actually, quite close to you. Um, their, their name's Crooked Royals. And they actually flew wow. over to a video and an EP. So they came originally to do production with us. Um, and they were there for, I want to say 10 days. And they brought their girlfriends and they all had a, they had a great time in America. Um, but then by the end of it, actually, well before, I'd say about halfway through, um, talk about management came up, you know, and we kind of let things progress for the next five days or so. And then we brought it up at the end again and they came to us about it. It was you know, we weren't like, Hey guys, you, come. <laughs> uh, you know, we just, we let the artists decide what they need help with. And, and that's what we we try to be there to do.
0: And it's, it's a lot of this, um, obviously what you're able to offer is a lot from what you've learned and observed along the way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I have a really good relationship, fortunately, with uh, Vale's manager, Derek. So if I'm a little perplexed or I need some advice, he usually gets back to me in a timely manner and helps me out. Um, so I appreciate that. I definitely, you know, take some of his philosophies on how things should run and apply them to our own because uh, I trust the man. And, you know, ethically, he's, he's a good dude. never done me wrong. So I feel like he's got a pretty good understanding of, of how to run things, you know, in a way where you're not going to be stabbing people in the back or taking advantage of them. It,
0: it, why why do it? Like, what what inspired you to do it? Because part of it is you're already, you know, busy with a band. Is this something to also keep your mind active and, you know, pay it back to other artists?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, with Veil, I'm only so busy, and yeah. I feel like I have... A lot of time on my hands and I I, you know I just I'm into other styles of music so I create a lot of content that we also put out and you know that's fun for me I like having all these different outlets and absolutely I want to help other artists you know it's just why not it's something that I'm able to do and I've always wanted to get to this point uh, you know just like kind of building that foundation Um, I had to you know I had to first become an artist because that was more that was a just Meant more to me to be an artist um, because I'll I'll always be an artist, and then from there, I could gain the resources to to do these other things and help out these other bands. I didn't really, I didn't really know it would turn into what it is. I mean, I started the the idea of New Industry started seven or eight years ago, and finally came to like full fruition um, in twenty sixteen. I don't know. I got to read the date on my mug. <laughs> uh, 2017. It was 20. It was, it was last year. Um, so it took a long time, and it took a lot of revising. I mean, if I had written out everything of what it was and had everything scratched off, I mean, it'd be a whole. It'd be pages and pages of revising the structure and the foundation of what it is now. But I think it, it's what it needs to be, and what we want it to be, and all the components we feel like are there. So we enjoy it and we're just, you know, trying to progress and adapt with everything else.
0: Do you also get a lot of people come to you because they know you are artists yourself?
1: Uh, in, in what regards?
0: As in they, they, they know that you have seen how the industry can be good and bad. And they know that because you're an artist that you will kind of understand and, you know, empathize and sympathize with where they want to go you're not you're not just a suit and tie in a way of saying it
1: sure no i would assume that has to have some sort of appeal because it would to me
0: Mm.
1: you know like i don't know i would i would think about that differently if i knew this individual i was pursuing for management also knew what it was to be an artist because sometimes there there can be a little bit of a struggle with that you know i've seen it with other bands as you know and i get it but it really also helps me understand the other perspective you know so when i get in those conversations from and I'm in the artist's shoes. It, now it's very, very easy for me to step into the other individual's shoes, sitting across from me. Whether it's an audio engineer, uh, you, you know, a video producer, whoever it is, is like I can. I really understand where you're coming from, and communication then seems to be more seamless. And I think it, you know, it just it's like cross training. You know, mm. understanding as many jobs as you can is only going to help you communicate and work with other individuals
0: yeah sick it's great it's great to see um so you're touring soon um guys we're going to put up all the details for the tickets and touring information on the website so lucas the last thing we do with our chats is a segment called pick your poison now what happens here is i give you two options and you pick the one out of the two that you want to stay now can be easy Can be hard. And you're welcome to explain your decision because some people like to explain why they picked one thing over the other. So, we start off with some food. So, it's pizza or burger? Yes, burger. Oh, okay. That's easy. Uh, Chicken or beef? Chicken. Okay. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese. Okay. Beer or whiskey? Whiskey.
1: Don't do this to me. Ah, man. It's hurting me. Whiskey.
0: Okay. Uh, Would you prefer to eat at home or go to a restaurant?
1: I prefer to eat at home.
0: Okay. Would you prefer to watch a movie on the couch or at the cinema? Cinema. Beach or snow? Beach. Beach. Okay. Funny enough. Skateboarding or rollerblading? Rollerblading. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice. PS four or Xbox? PS4. Okay. Cat or dog? Son of
1: a- <laughs> I gotta go with cat.
0: Okay. Um Batman or Superman?
1: Batman.
0: Okay. Terminator or Predator?
1: Terminator
0: Rambo or Rocky Rocky James Bond or Jason Bourne James Bond Freddy or Jason Jason Star Trek or Star Wars
1: I'd like to say neither but <laughs> I'll go with Star South,
0: South Park or Simpsons South Park Slayer or Pantera Pantera Green Day or Blink-182? Green Day. Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Sabbath or Van Halen? Sabbath. Okay. Now, last couple. In the mosh pit or up the back enjoying the show? Not that you're not enjoying a show in a mosh pit, but you know what I mean.
1: Enjoying the show. I'm chill.
0: Okay. Touring or recording?
1: Oh, ooh. Uh I, guess, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. That's the toughest. Um to recording. Wow. I'd rather be <laughs> on the road with a rig. That's what I would prefer.
0: Okay. Now the last one is the only triple one. Would you prefer C D, vinyl, or streaming? Vinyl. oh nice.
1: Sounds the best.
0: It does, doesn't it? But they're not yeah. they're not cheap. That's the only issue.
1: Oh, that's why I have none.
0: <laughs> um, Lucas, dude, that's us done. Um, absolute legend. Dude, really, really appreciate you um, letting us to get to know about you and also for taking time out for the show. I really appreciate it, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: So that was my chat with Lucas of Vale of Maya, and you also heard there at the end Vale of Maya's track Overthrow, which is off their most recent album, False Idol. So, of course, if you haven't heard much of Vale of Maya's music, now's the time. Get online, get down to your record store, make sure you check out their albums. Highly recommend False Idol lucas really as you could hear on overthrow but also on that album showcases some immense vocal abilities not only with his screams that are in every pitch possible but also those beautiful soaring clean vocals he does so thank you lucas for taking time out for the mosh zone really really appreciate it dude thank you so much looking forward to catching up when you tour australia next year Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So that's it for The Mosh Zone, episode 47. Done, dusted, in the can, all wrapped up, done for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the new format and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch guys, help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. That is it for this week's show. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pit.